Morning. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Good. Good. Yeah. We just, this will maybe be our last class with the uh, talking about parenting and mentoring. We just welcome you here and uh, it's going to be a good one. So, amen? Amen. Amen. So, you want to do a review, Deb? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> Love doing reviews. Hi, everyone. So I went through the workbook that goes with this teaching and the thing that really is profound to me is it, it takes a lot of the really salient points from the videos and it really emphasizes them. So I think part of my review is, is just going to be restating some of the really powerful statements that they made in this, this last video. Sherry Silk taught this one along with Brittany, uh, Danny's daughter. <clears throat> so I think you know, the core of the story is really Brittany sharing her experience in being 16, being led to meet a boy she met on the internet. I won't reread the whole story. Her story is included in the workbook if you're interested in reading it. But Sherry really started out with prioritizing relationship connections. So when we think about the connections that we really ought to esteem and purpose ourselves to ensure that that connection is strong is our Heavenly Father in us, of course, Husbands to wives, parents to children, sibling to sibling, and friend to friend. That these are, are relationship connections that exist. She makes a really good point, and she says, on a good day, <laughs> I can only control me. On a good day, I can control me. So I think that's probably, for the whole series, that, that statement really speaks to the core of my being. I can't control anyone else around me, but what I can control is me. You want your children to grow into adults who know how to tell themselves what to do and to prioritize their own connections. So our job as parents is to really help them learn how to do that. Not only identify those connections, but then work to strengthen those connections, to remind them of that. Sherry spent a little bit of time also in the video talking about anger and really defining anger. And I think when um, she made this first statement about anger, I heard some gasps in the room, like revelation gasps, like, oh, yeah, that's true. I know this is certainly true for me. Anger is fake power. Yeah. And I think that was one of the strongest points she made in the video is anger is fake power. It makes you feel powerful, but you're really not. Anger will push you through boundaries. So it'll push past a boundary um, it will cause you to set limits instead of working through an issue. If you tend to be more of an aggressive personality or a verbal processor, you should ask yourself this question before responding in anger. Am I going to want to clean up the mess I'm about to make with my words, or can I be quiet and get my thoughts in order? That's a great question. It's a huge question. And say, the, say that again. Yes. Am I going to want to clean up the mess I'm about to make with my words, or can I be quiet and get my thoughts in order? Now, it's a great question to ask, but the next step behind that is really, are, are, you, um, are you in tune enough with yourself in that moment? Right? Because when your amygdala is all juiced up, right? We've learned about the amygdala and how it gets kind of juiced up in situations and your anger wants to flare, but you need to be self-aware enough to ask yourself this question. Am I willing to clean up the mess? And I think sometimes you end up having to clean up the mess to figure out you should have asked the question to begin with. Yeah. 
there's some messes yeah. you probably end up do you do end up having to work through. That that question right there, I think, is so important because in dealing with anybody, if we ask ourselves that question honestly, that would solve probably eighty percent of our problems in social arenas. Is if we would ask ourselves that question: Do I want to clean up the mess I'm about to create? But here's the problem, when you're all juiced up and you're angry and you're just ready to go, it just feels so good to tell people and put them in their place, you know. Or to, you're feeling hurt to and our you want flesh. them to hurt. Yes, yes, right. you want so to return I'm hurting, that. I want you to hurt. Yep, you caused me grief, now let me cause you some grief, doggone it, you know. But the problem with that is it's not love. It's not anywhere close to love. And so we, a lot of times, have let that stuff go. But here, here's the bigger point. Like, we can all agree on that point, that we should ask that question beforehand. But the problem is you get into the heat of a moment, and you don't have your mind set on asking that question. And you just fall right into it because you haven't spent time getting to that place where you ask that question first off and then if you know to ask the question generally it happens you remember it as you are blowing them out of the water <laughs> you know and uh i mean it's happened to me i don't know if it's happened to y'all or not but you don't if you don't have a mind that's set on that and you haven't thought about it ahead of time then you're going to fall into that trap every time and you're constantly going to be cleaning up message messes and then all of a sudden the devil's going to bring condemnation because you forgot to ask yourself that question can't believe you just blew up on that person and it felt good in the moment but then it doesn't feel good afterwards well with our kids imagine that how many how many people have had parents that blew up in the moment on you and you can still remember some of those moments yeah me too and we don't want to be those parents it's not that that parents don't have authority and they shouldn't have a sense of control in their own house but we want to make sure that we're passing on God think about let me ask it this way what if God didn't ask that question with us all of our dumb mistakes that we've made I mean we'd be fried right and we'd just be you know a heap of dust we ashes to ashes dust to dust just quicker right <laughs> that's where we would be and uh if god didn't stop and have some restraint and ask himself those kind of questions and and operate in love we'd be in trouble and we're supposed to be representing god so we have a responsibility as christians to go that way that to me was the key phrase and that helps us keep those connections where they're supposed to be i think that's been a powerful lesson for me in the fast that I've been doing is yeah. putting down the flesh and being more cognizant of those moments and being prepared and capable to ask that question in the moment. Yeah. So forcing my flesh down has increased that revelation for me yeah. in growing in this area, which has been really awesome. So Sherry goes on and makes some additional statements. Uh, she says, the best time to work through an issue is when you're connected, not when you're disconnected. Yes. So it's important that if there is a break or a blow up or an explosion or um, something like that happens, your first job is to reestablish connection. Your first job is not to try and fix it. 
Right. So your job is to love them the way they receive love, seek to make that connection again, and then work to resolve the issue, which I think is really good teaching. Yeah, amen. She makes a really great comment, too. I highlighted it here. Nobody has perfect kids, not even God. Yeah. <laughs> right? And he's the best dad ever. He's the best dad ever, and he doesn't have perfect kids. So I think, you know, to remind ourselves that our kids are going to make messes, and it's our job to be there to help work through them, work through them with them, right, as they grow and learn in the process. Love like you're going to get hurt. If you don't, your heart probably isn't completely open. That's right. Right, so it's, it's, is your goal of connection a safe distance? Or is it loving connection with that person? I think that really reinforced that Let me teaching. add something there. When, when she said that, that is such a huge point because a lot of our lives and a lot of the problems that I have found ourselves um, counseling over is because people have gotten hurt in relationships. And so then what we do once we get hurt we spend the majority of our life in relationships avoiding hurt. And what that basically means when you boil it all down is you spend the majority of your life avoiding relationships. Because you are not going to be in a relationship in a world that's carrying a curse and not get hurt. It's not going to happen. And if you think that you're going to be in a relationship and not get hurt, or you're going to open yourself up and not get hurt, or there's some magical person out there that completes you, um, you know, <laughs> and you're not going to get hurt, that's a lie. That's a, it's a lie. And here's the thing. So in order to actually be godly and be Christ-like, you've got to engage people knowing you're going to get hurt by people. Why? Because they're not perfect. There's, God doesn't have perfect kids, and there's a whole bunch that aren't even his kids. So they're made in his image, but they're, they're not his kids yet. Uh, we had a situation just last night, and Abigail got a real uh, uh, taste of just what a lack of love and a lack of God in somebody's life will do. And uh, it was, you know, just, and I said, I told her, I said, Abigail, that's what happens when people don't have love working in them. And uh, Abigail was real innocent in something and, and trying to be good and help people. And somebody jumped all down her throat and over something. And um, I had to pray for Nicole. And uh, <laughs> This is where I asked, is it worth the mess? <laughs> yeah. For a split second. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I was praying, <laughs> and but it was, it's one of those things where if you're going to be around people, you're going to run into messes, you're going to run into hurt. This is what it means to lay your life down. This is what Christianity is. And, but I see people all the time trying to avoid hurt by trying to avoid relationships. They never open up, they never trust, and they never fulfill what God has called them to do. So get that thinking that I'm not going to get hurt and I can protect myself from being hurt. Get that thinking out of your head because that's what Christianity is, is bearing the burdens of others. That's where love is fulfilled. That means you're going to put your life and your feelings on the line. 
And it's going to happen with your kids, with your friends, with your church family. It's going to happen. Now, here's the thing. In the middle of that, praise God, He's the one who gives us strength. See, a lot of times what we do is we turn people into our source and our peace and our strength, and we draw it from them when everything's going good. But there we're never supposed to be our source. God was supposed to be our source. And so once we attribute uh, things and file things in the right place, we find that we walk in peace and joy and, and love all in the right places in the right times whether things are going good or not. And that's just the beauty of God. And that's actually where he's trying to get us to. But we can't assign the wrong source to the wrong place, you know. Uh, we've got to make sure that God remains that source. And when we do that, we'll find that even when we get hurt, we still got our peace. We still have our peace. Amen. Amen. Sherry makes a statement. It's quite possible that this little person I brought into the world can hurt me more than anyone on the planet. But I'm going to love big. Yeah. So knowing that and knowing and choosing that you're going to love big regardless is a, is a very significant decision to make. The last part of uh, the video from last week, Sherry and uh, Brittany both really talk about asking yourself a really significant question. And that question is, what is the strength of your connection? Really taking some time to think about, is it as strong as a tissue? Or is it as strong as a leather strap? And what are you doing to help grow the strength of that connection with your child or in a relationship any relationship, is it as strong as a tissue or is it as strong as a leather strap? Your child needs to know they are worth the investment and that you are investing in them. Um, they talk about when it comes time to make a withdrawal in the relationship that you have, can your relationship handle it? If you are going to make a withdrawal of $100 and you have only invested $5, you're going to be in the negative. Know that your connection and what you are depositing into your relationships are crucial. So really purposing yourself to make sure that that connection is as strong as a leather strap so that when those situations do happen, and they're going to happen, you have a leather strap to pull on and not a tissue that's going to shred and, and really disintegrate. Love is better than rules. Amen. Operating out of love is better than operating out of rules, right? New Testament, better than Old Testament. <laughs> Pretty simple, right? Grace is better than the law. Yeah. And I think that's what the point here is. Love is better than rules. So when you're operating with your kids, it's really helping them to learn that doing what they need to do should come from a place of love, not that they're checking a box of a list of chores to accomplish, right? So it shouldn't be that the dishwasher needs to be emptied and, oh, i got to do this dishwasher again. It should be, I love you, I feel responsible to do this, so I'm going to do it in love. Yeah. I want to. I want to. Right. That's a great point. Yep. Rules without relationship equals rebellion. And that's a comment that Sherry made that Pastor Bill Johnson from Bethel um, has made, apparently, in his preaching. Rules without relationship equals rebellion which I think is really significant. So those were the, the really salient or, or um, prominent points from the video from last week. Amen. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Not 
thought it was really good. Um, the point about my eureka moment was the you know the point about even Jesus doesn't or even God doesn't have perfect kids. Oh my goodness, that's so true. And so it's like <laughs> it, it's it's like a weight off your shoulders because you're you know as a parent you want to have perfect kids. You know as, as pastors everybody's looking at your kids, so it's like you want to have perfect kids, and it's like. God didn't even get perfect kids. But not because God's not perfect, because we have free will. Yeah. And they're going to have free will, just like God gave us. But he gave us so much love, the love to go out and make the choices, but then the love to give us grace and mercy and teach us through those choices. And that's who we're to be. We're to be the image of God to our kids. You know, what are they seeing from us? Because that's how they're going to look at God. If they see the leather strap strength to relationship that no matter how much they mess up, the strength is still there, the bond is still there, the love is still there, then the next time they may ask themselves, is it worth a mess? And so it was just it was a good yeah. good a good video. Yeah. I I know many times I've talked to different pastors and they tell me, you know, they tell me that they're having an issue or something. And I'm not, like, glad that they're having an issue. But I am kind of like, oh, thank okay. you, Lord. I'm normal, you know. <laughs> I'm normal, you know. And because uh, you're always, you're, you know, the devil wants to heap on, hey, it's just you. You stink, you know. And you're the, you're the worst one, you know. And and a lot of times, no, it's just you're dealing with stuff. That And that's why we're here. We're not here because the world is perfect. We're here because it's not. Otherwise, if it, if it was perfect, we'd just all go to heaven, you know. We're here to complete a mission, to advance the kingdom of God, to raise our kids to advance the kingdom of God and teach them about God's goodness and his love and how to make loving decisions as well. It's a part of why we're here. And, uh, but I, you know, a lot of times it's good just to hear, you know, hey, okay, you're going through some stuff too. It's not just me, uh, which is what the devil kind of wants us to feel like sometimes and, uh, like all the time. And, but so when you hear that, hey, the Lord, you know, he had, uh, he had issues too, you know. Now it wasn't him, it was his kids operating in the curse and operating in wrong thinking but his kids aren't perfect, that's like, oh man, and God is perfect, and he still had kids that were messed up, right? So it doesn't give your kids an excuse, <laughs> although it may feel like that sometimes, but, you know, ease off on the pressure, on the condemnation on yourself. Yes. Allow the mercy of God to come and help you. Allow the Holy Spirit to convict you to move into better areas and to grow, but don't take the weight of condemnation and judgment. Amen? And I know that frees me up. I love the fact that they said that last week. and so It's important to give the kids the freedom to learn and grow and mess up too. And yes. not you know, help them to realize they're not expected to be perfect. Right. You know, I, I tell our kids with their grades, I don't care what the grade is. I want to know, did you do your best? If you did your best and you made an F, so be it. But did you do your best? And that's what they need to know. Don't don't make your kids feel so restricted to be perfect because they're never going to obtain it. I'm never going to be perfect. 
But each day, I continue to grow in the love of God, and I get closer to that. I get closer to looking like him. So it's good to give those kids the understanding that I don't expect perfection. I just expect you to do your best. But then the same thing on yourself. You know, it's like you said, freedom for yourself. Ease up. Your, your kids are going to mess up. You are going to mess up. Yeah. We have expectation for our kids to grow. Why? Because that's what love does. Love increases. Jesus continued to increase in wisdom and stature, uh, in maturity and favor with God and man. So we're teaching our kids that you need to be increasing. You need to be that's growing. Right. If you're not growing, then you're taking your potential, your talents, and you're burying them. Yeah. All right? Well, that's the wicked and lazy servant. That's not what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be growing. So we do have an expectation for them to grow, but we're not creating an environment where if they uh, fail, I, I would so much rather have people that are messing up and doing the wrong thing than a stale environment that's not going anywhere. And, you know, in church and in leadership in the church, one of the things that's become evident and we've really grabbed a hold of over the last few years is if you have an environment where uh, you criticize every failure right where you where you criticize every failure well what are, what is that that's going to slant people and push people in one direction what are they going to do they're going to stop trying it's just a matter of time they will stop trying so if everything has to be perfect and you are correcting every single thing then people are just going to back off and say, I can't win. And so you have to give them room to fail. You have to give them room to mess up. And that creates an environment. See, I, and we celebrate, there was a, uh, I sent it out this week actually to the leadership team. Let me see, who was that who said that? Do y'all remember? Jesse, Jesse Duplantis. Duplantis. Yeah. He said, failure is not making a mistake. Failure is doing nothing. Yep. So in other words, my, you know, our kids go in and they take a test and they gave effort to it, right? They gave effort to the test, they, they take the test, and they fail the test, right? Well, that's not what we want in the end. But what I want less than them failing one test is for them not to try at all. Right. You see, that's worse. That's actually failure. Failure is not making a mistake. So if you have your child or somebody that you're mentoring and they are trying and they are trying to position and, and point themselves in the direction of growth, that's success. Are they going to trip and fall? Almost assuredly, they will because we're, we're, we don't fully have renewed minds. Who do you know that's got perfect thinking? Anybody know somebody that's got perfect thinking? Jesus? Yeah. yeah. Who do you know on earth <laughs> that has perfect thinking? I, you know, I, only him, only, only the Holy Spirit. But as far as humans go, that's manifested on the earth, I don't know one. So the only one that would never make a mistake is the one who has perfect thinking. So, you know, we're going to see people make mistakes, and that's where the hurt also is going to come from that we don't need to protect ourselves from. So, in other words, if you don't give them room to make mistakes, they're just going to clam up, 
and all of a sudden you have totally, now you have helped drive them to what real failure is where they don't even try. So, I, you know, in the leadership team, one of the things that I've uh, tried to work on because I didn't, this is something where I've really failed at in the past was I constantly wanted to see things done in, in excellence and I used that term so strict that people felt like I couldn't get anything right. And there's still some lingering moments of that and it's up to me as the leader, as the parent, to open up and give them a safe environment to fail, to do things wrong, and that's okay. I would rather them try something and miss it completely than, than not try. Uh, Jesse also said this, this goes right along with it. If you stay in the boat, you just meet with the disciples. But if you get out of the boat, you meet with Jesus. So how many of us have decided I don't want to get out of the boat because I just don't want, I don't want to hear a no. You know, we did the eight for eight where we were, you know, looking to win some souls for Jesus, which every, everybody, they hit the goals. It was awesome, you know. But here's the thing. How many people hesitated at some point because you didn't want to hear a no? And every time, you know, in, uh, what is it, in baseball, you will miss every ball that you don't swing at? So in other words, eventually you've got to swing the bat knowing that at some point you're going to swing and miss, but failure would be sitting there watching every one of them go by. You know, if you're a fan of baseball, it's like sometimes the worst people to get up to bat, it's like, here comes the pitcher, you know, because the pitchers, they're out there to pitch the game and that's their valuable and they're not really there to get on base is the standard thinking. But you watch that and it's like, well, he's going to strike out. There's a, almost an automatic out in an inning is when the pitcher gets up in our, and I don't like that. Why? Because it's just expecting failure in that situation. I know they do it for a reason, baseball fans. I back off. But it's, <laughs> uh, I might be failing in your mind right now. Give me some mercy. But here's the thing. We don't want to create an environment where we don't get out of the boat. And that is not going to meet Jesus. We need to go out there try you know if we miss it we miss it and lean on God's mercy not expect to miss it but do our best but we also want to create those environments in our home where hey you tried as long as they're active and they're going after it but if we're constantly uh, you missed this you messed this up you did this you I can't believe you did this then our kids are going to clamp down they just won't try and we helped that be the case we help push them in that. So we've got to create an environment where they go, man, I can try, and, and my parents will celebrate my misses. You know? They'll celebrate the misses with me. Why? Because they learned something. And this is a great statement that you can use in your, in your home is, uh, well, did you learn something? And they'll go, yeah. You know, almost always they'll say, yeah, well, that's awesome. That's a great thing. You learn something, you'll do it better next time. Don't, don't get called up on that miss. Amen? Amen. Y'all have anything to add to that? No. no well, go ahead. No, there's just one other statement in here that um, the Holy Spirit keeps nudging me to, to share with you all. Sherry made the statement, when you're afraid and overwhelmed, you need to let somebody into that situation so, mm -hmm. that you can, so they can help and pray with you. And I, and I think it goes along with what you were just saying, Pastor Brian. I think sometimes we get ourselves into situations and we feel like we're alone or um, 
that we have to face whatever situation it is by ourselves. And that isn't the case. I think the point she wants to make here is reach out to another parent. Reach out to your pastors. You know, lean on someone that can stand with you in prayer and build you up in the process, right? Because we're all growing through this process, right? I think Sharon and I, a few weeks back, we were talking, I was sharing with her where um, through this, through these lessons, I was learning about what choices to offer William, and it was I failed in one instance, and so I was, I was talking with Sharon about, you know, what were some other things that I might do in that situation. Well, just knowing that I can have that conversation with someone else around me and help brainstorm, well, what are some other things you might would have presented in that situation, right? I think we talked about your grandchild, too. That really helps um, parents feel like they're not alone, helps you really dialogue about, well, what might you have done different in that situation or given that particular scenario? So I would encourage you in that way. Uh, reach out to those around you. Reach out to other parents. Reach out to your pastors because we're here to help. Yeah. Humility when you do fail is huge. That'll help you get to a better place. And you want to teach your kids to have that humility where they can literally come to you and say, this is what you really want. You want to get to the place where they can come to you and not feel the pressure, but you've created a safe harbor, a safe environment for your kids or people that you're leading to come to you and say, man, I messed up big time. I missed it. And, you, and they don't feel like you're going to jump down their throat. Now, you might not be going to jump and be jumping down their throat, but if they feel like that, they're not going to come and communicate. Um, and a statement that in one of the leadership trainings that Pastor J.B. Whitfield did, he said, we celebrate noble failure, not chronic failure. Okay? So we celebrate noble failure. In other words, you gave it all you got. You went after the Lord. But not if you're constantly doing it over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again. Now there's an issue there uh, that you're not, you're not humbling yourself to learn and grow from. So we celebrate noble failure when you're going after it and you just miss and uh, not chronic failure. You were going to say something earlier? Yeah, pretty much covered it. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anybody that has some questions? Man, that 30 minutes went fast. Time flies in heaven, huh? Mm. Amen. I've enjoyed these. Question. One thing that they brought up last week was um, when they, two points. One thing was when they brought up that uh, they allowed their daughter to continue to date the man that was on the internet, um, but they did it in a safe environment. And I, Barrett and I were talking that, and I, I was thinking, I don't know if I would have come to that, I know I wouldn't have come to that decision by myself. <laughs> but what, <laughs> what steps are there to say that they're, okay, that's a great idea, let's go down that road. Um, as a, you know, in, in, I was just curious what you guys have had your experiences in like that to allow yourself or to purpose yourself to go down that road and go, okay, this is what we're going to do. Um, and the second point was when Danny went down on his knees and told his daughter, I would give all this up for you if it's too much. Where is that line? Yeah. Um, one, to say that's okay to do if God's called him to do that. I think 
I think those are great questions. I'm glad you brought it up because that was a big point to me. I think in both of those situations, I believe they heard from the Holy Spirit that this is what would minister to their daughter and she would be okay. Um, even recently, we've had situations where we were not comfortable, you know, like letting Abigail do this or do that. There's been a couple of those because she's getting to that age where that stuff, you know, she's not in the house 100% of the time, locked up in her bedroom, you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, so, but she's getting at that age where she's stepping out and doing different things. And so we, the important thing to answer both of those questions is, you need to have a relationship that's so strong with the Holy Spirit that you can hear clearly from Him. Yeah. Because if you can't hear clearly, you can make one of those decisions based off of logic and not off of the Spirit. This is why we want to make sure that our relationship with the Holy Spirit is alive, you know, is real. So that when we need to know, okay, is it okay for Abigail to go with this person? And the Holy Spirit says, yeah, that's good. It, she'll be fine. We need to know that. You know, we need to hear that. But if we have that inkling from the Holy Spirit, mm -mm, don't, don't do that, uh, then we know that and we trust the Holy Spirit. Well, that means our relationship needs to be operating at a, you know, a higher level than is the norm out here. We need to be in open communication with the Holy Spirit, and that's the answer. And that's the way God's designed it to be, is for us to be receiving. The, the children of God are led by the Spirit of God, Romans 8, 14, I believe it is. The children of God are led by the Spirit of God. We need to be operating as children of our Father that loves us so much that can hear from the Holy Spirit enough to be led by Him. Um, that situation, I did not like that situation with the continuing to date, personally. Um, but I can't say that I wouldn't have. You look at her now, she's serving in ministry, and she only dated that guy for a few months. Now, had they said no at that place where she was at, the Holy Spirit knows whether or not she would rebel or not. So you really need to be led. That could have pushed her over the edge. And we don't know. That could have pushed her into denying Christ at some point. And we don't know that but the Holy Spirit does. And which is better, for her to live a life that's not really fully up to the potential that God has or go to hell? You know, the Holy Spirit knows those things. That's why we need to make sure that we hear from them. Our mind goes, uh-uh, he's not dating. My, I mean, you saw me earlier, mm -mm, no. And, but the Holy Spirit knows what the best case scenario is and what that child will make a decision on and he knows how to lead us to that place. Um, as far as the leading and him, you know, you know, crawling over there and say, "Look, I'll give all this up." Um, I, I think, I think that's awesome. And she said that broke something in me. You see, she didn't want him to do that. The Holy Spirit knew that she would not call him to do that, and so he probably gave Danny the okay to make that statement in that way. And he was probably willing to do that based off of his leading. That's where we have we trust the Lord over what our feelings are. I mean, my feelings and logic is, I'm called to do this and this is very important and I don't wanna see the work of God stop, but also have 
the strongest work of God is to my family and and to my you know to my family wife and kids but however I also know so a lot of people would just say well I'll give up the ministry to go and serve my family and kids but there's another side of that that says how am I going to serve my family and kids if I give up the ministry in the place where we're actually called so there's a balance and you have to have that leading of the Holy Spirit in other words I can never serve my family and kids if I'm not planted in the spiritual family that God has planted me in I'm going to miss the best for them so there's a balance there and that's where you need to hear from the Holy Spirit and we need to have the kind of relationship where that uh, leading of the Holy Spirit it's constant and it's right there so any other questions Brittany made the point it was she had she had listened to a lie and that lie needed to be broken I mean she says it here there's a personal pressure that I put on myself being Danny Silk's daughter realistically the pressure I took on as my own was a lie I chose to believe I had a weak moment where I let someone else's words determine my life instead of believing who I am and what has always been reinforced through my parents and the Lord and she says at the end of her story uh, my dad emphasized the fact that his relationship with me was way more important than anything he could ever do for a living more than where they lived what he did for a job at that moment I started to realize insert broke the lie I was the most important thing in that I was a priority in their life. So it might be that his actions were driven by the Holy Spirit needing to yes. break that lie in Brittany's life. And Brittany needed to hear those words, whether Danny was going to operate or move in them or not, she needed to break that lie. Yeah. One of the, that's a great question. And if you got any other questions, go ahead and raise your hand. Um, but another point to that is one of the things that we are doing now is and the Lord started showing us some years ago is you want to teach your kids to make good decisions teach them to make good decisions how to say yes to the right things and no to the wrong things on the small things so that when they get to the big things their life isn't ruined so we teach them to think through so in that same situation like if I was handling it right now I would probably go to Rachel or Abigail and I would say alright look you are my priority period because you're my priority it's important for us to be planted you know and where we're supposed to be God says he plants uh, you know first Corinthians twelve eighteen. God places the members in the body and we will flourish in the courts of God when we're planted in the house of God in Psalms 92 so what would you do if you were in my situation and I would teach teach her to think through those things and show her the different elements and then you would continue to ask her questions until she started to piece together what is godly here because I'm not just teaching her to make decisions based off of how she feels in the moment we want to go back to the word and we want to see what does God say about this situation so you know her rebellion in that moment with that kid would not necessarily push the whole family in the rebellion to uproot themselves from where they're supposed to be but if the Lord shows me hey just tell her this that you love her and she's a priority and crawl on your hands and knees like he did that's probably a lot simpler <laughs> so if that if that would win so other questions yes ma'am so 
when Sherry, that's her name, right? When Sherry was talking about this situation, she said that her natural response is to respond in anger. When she's scared, she responds angrily. And through the story, and I haven't listened to it twice, but through the story, she was talking about how she was so scared and she was so angry that what she chose to do was shut up. And she chose to not speak and not say anything. And I, I know it goes back to, do you want to clean up a mess you're about to make? Mm. But the question that I had as someone who has also worked through anger and different things as a natural response, maintaining a connection is also important. And when she continued the story, Brittany talked about how she felt connected to her dad and how her dad made her feel loved and how her dad made her feel safe. But there wasn't a lot about the mom until a week two weeks later so I understand that maybe for a moment be quiet but what is not that she didn't handle it appropriately but what is maybe a better way to continue maintaining that connection even though your flesh may still be responding to the effects of anger or fear I think it's continuing to work on her own relationship with the father I think as she continues to work on that relate her Sherry's relationship with her heavenly father and continues to grow in that love it's you know if a glass is full of something there's no room for anything else so as you continue to put the love of God in there's less and less room for that anger to be there and I've had the same experiences my you know if I get scared or something you know I've tended to be you know snappy or angry or stuff like that but as I've continued to grow in God um, there's less and less room for that to come out because there's more and more love in there. So it's, it's you water down that fear with the love. So as she continued to grow her own personal relationship with God and put more love in, then that's what's overflowing out. Does that help? It does. I'm, I'm just thinking in that moment, you're not there yet. Like right. You're not at that place yet, but you need to maintain that connection because from the sound of it, their connection separated and if if your purpose is I want to maintain connection with my youth kids I want to maintain connection with George or with y'all or people in the church but I'm not necessarily at that point where I am so overflowing right. out of love that I still have this trigger reaction yeah. how do I keep maintaining it even though I'm not at that point yet or am growing had, toward it I've had moments in the past before where it's been like that and I've just had to pray in the spirit, and then I go to someone whose response is love quicker. So, you know, in that moment, maybe an option for her could have been, okay, let's just immediately, as she sat there for eight hours not knowing where her daughter is, pray in the spirit as, you know, as the situation is happening, pray in the spirit. And then when she saw that Brittany was okay and things were fine, maybe go to Danny. And I realized at that time Danny wasn't available. Continue to pray in the spirit. And as soon as you can, you know, I would go to Brian and say, look, I want to beat the tar out of this kid. I sat here for eight hours and you weren't there to help me. And, you know, and she's just an ungrateful little thing. And, and I'm just, and I get it out on him. And he's able to pour that love into me so that instead of two weeks later, it may be only 30 minutes. And the thing we don't hear in the video is how much investment had Sherry made in the connection with Britt ahead of time. Right. Yeah. Right. So was their connection a leather strap such that Britt knew that that was what her mom was working on, right? Because the presumption is, is if you're, if you're loving each other with your whole heart, you know each other. 
So you're humble enough to, in that connection, say, I'm working on this right now. So how much did Britt maybe know this is what my mom's working on? She may not be speaking right now or I may not be sensing that connection. We have a leather strap. I know she's gonna, we're going to come back together, right? So part of that is what we didn't hear maybe, and I'm not saying that that was the case, but I get the sense that Sherry probably had been making investments over time, right? Whether Britt catastrophically tore that apart in this situation or not, there probably had been some investment made, and that's what was drawing, that was maybe keeping Sherry from reacting that way. Yeah. And I think it's important, too, to keep lines of communication open. You know, one thing Sherry could have done is go to Britt and say, look, you know I love you. I know we will get through this right You know, We will get through this. At the moment, here's what I'm feeling. You are my daughter. I was scared. And right now, I'm angry. And I need to work through this. But you are my daughter and I love you. So give me a minute to work through this mm -hmm. and I will come back. It's keeping those lines of communication open because as the, if she didn't do that, then there was two weeks of silence. Two weeks of her walking around angry and them going, well, what's going on? What's her response going to be when she comes to me? Is she going to bite my head off? Right. You know, or is she going to not talk to me anymore? Is she never going to trust me again? So it's saying, you know, right now, here's how I feel. But I do love you, and we will get through this. Just let me work through this. Yeah, a big key is knowing that is a big, big key is people knowing that they are, that you're not going to burn the bridge. Uh, that's a big key for a lot of people. And because we feel, how many people have ever had somebody burn the bridge on you? It, right, which goes back to the original thing. You're never going to have people not hurt you. That's a part of Christianity. It's a part of being in this world. But just because people are not going to hurt you, that means that we're putting them, we're making them the source. We've got to back up and learn how to trust and have a relationship with people or else you're not going to fulfill your call to, to walk a Christian life on this earth because it is designed to be with people. So we've got to make sure that we assign that source in the right place but one of the things that we've got to do also is make sure that we're, we're proactive. I don't know which one's doing that. <laughs> All right. I don't, anyway, we've got to make sure that we're proactive. So in other words, one of the things you heard Brittany say was she was ready to fight when she came back. She was ready to argue and get this stuff. All right, well, that tells you a little bit about the atmosphere that she had, and it probably was with the mom some. But those are assumptions, those are guesses, but that's a common, very common thing to see. So one of the things is, you know, we hear that we should be proactive in the things of God, but a lot of times we're not really pressing into it. A very common theme recently that we've talked a lot about is people deal with the surface stuff, but they're not dealing with the root. So, for instance, you know, she knew, the mom knew not to release the anger. There's still, she said, there was some moments where some stuff, you know, leaked out, but she knew enough in her head not to release the anger. So on the surface, she was dealing with the anger, right? And, but on the inside, she was still angry. So in other words, she knew she was applying God's help on the surface, but 
maybe was there I'll ask this question just leave it with, with you was there enough proactive nature to deal with the root of the anger ahead of time because should she have been feeling angry in the first place I'm not sure, you know, I'm not, I think that a lot of times the Lord says be slow to anger, you know, this is something that we should not just rush to, and there, there is a righteous anger, you see that in Jesus in the temple, but we, we think that anger is just normal, and you made me mad, and so I'm going to, basically, I'm giving it back to you, and we think that that's okay, but that's not necessarily love. And so we need to be much more proactive in our approach to the things of God and make sure that we're not just, you know, smiling on the surface, but inside we're still a, a hot mess, you know. We want to get that hot mess under control so that on the surface we don't even have to deal with it anymore. Um, that's that's kind of what we need to do. In other words, what does that mean? That means that there's issues and problems that we're going to come up to that can be solved already if we will give ourselves to becoming more godly and developing the fruit of the Spirit and growing that. But that means we need to sit in church, hear preaching, not just a minute, but actually let it change us, stuff like that. We need to teach our kids that way. We need to be in the Word. We need to pray. We need to worship at home, not just at church. So that's being proactive, growing in the things of the Spirit, how to hear from the Spirit of God. But a lot of times we're just, you know, we honestly, we check the box of church. We don't really make active changes in our life. And then a situation comes up and we wonder why we don't handle it right. And it's because we haven't been proactive in growing. We've got to always be growing in the Lord. That should, that should be one of our main priorities in life. Bigger than vacation, bigger than bonuses, bigger than you know the the uh, job and the fun. One of the biggest priorities in our life should be to to grow in God, and as we do that, we solve our own problems in the future and help other people solve those problems too. Which is why I was a blubbering mess at the end of the video when she talks about we're to be led by His eye, right? And the video where the girl is riding the horse and yes. how the connection that the two of them had was so strong that all it took was for her to move one leg or the other, to pet his mane, to small movements, and that horse knew precisely what to do in those situations. That's the kind of relationship I want to have with my father. Yes. I want him to lead me by his eye. I don't, I don't want it any other way. So as I was watching the video last week, I mean, I'm handing tissues to Priscilla. I'm blubbering back there <laughs> because that, that is what my heart's desire is, is to have that kind of connection with my father, right, that I do all yes. of those things, but I do all of those things because I'm being led by his eye. Yeah, amen. Well, we are way past.